Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Monday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us on an absolutely Amazing victory Monday here in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, what a win yesterday for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a game beating the Dallas Cowboys in the fashion that they did. Oh, We got a lot to get into. It was glorious. It's been a glorious day. Although, Denmark with a Thursday game, do you understand that in less than 48 hours... The Jaguars are getting on a plane, and they are flying to New York for what is another gigantic game on Thursday against the Jets. So we'll review. Thank you. We'll review the Dallas game. We'll preview New York coming up tonight on Hacker After Dark. We got a lot to do. We got a lot of people joining us. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. He is coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on where the Jaguars sit now controlling their own destiny with three weeks to go in the NFL's regular season. Also, Monday night coaching with Campo, my man Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll also go to Gainesville in the 9 o'clock hour. Well, I don't know what that was on Saturday. It did not look like a college football game. That was a joke in the Las Jack. Yeah, in the Las Vegas Bowl. That was horrible. Uh, Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. He will stop by in the 9 o'clock hour as well. But it's going to be primarily all Jaguars tonight, and with good reason, one of the biggest regular season wins that this organization has had in a long, long time. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we give you a big deal of the night, and Dylan Denmark Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. All right. So yesterday, the Jacksonville Jaguars did something for only the third time in the last 117 opportunities that they have. And that's come back from a 17-point deficit. Down 17, 27-10 in the third quarter. Now, keep in mind, they did that this year against the Raiders. But wasn't that game like 17-0 in the first quarter, quarter and a half? This was a 17-point game with five minutes to go in the third quarter. The Jaguars from 1995 to 2021 were in 113 games where they trailed by 17 points or more. I'm actually surprised it was only 113 games with as bad as this franchise has been. But from 1995 to 2021, in those 26 years, the Jaguars won one. That's one of those 113 games when they trailed by 17-plus points. 
This year, they've won two in the same circumstance. And yesterday, oh, man, oh, I absolutely got roasted on Twitter. Twitter's a garbage can. It is. I love it. I mean, I love tweeting, but you say something that's inaccurate. I love Denmark that people will wait until after the game, right? Until they'll respond like four hours later or five or six or seven hours later. And they'll say, oh, yeah, this aged well. Or, Hacker, you're an idiot. Yeah, why don't you respond, like, earlier while the game is still in doubt? Why do you have to wait that long? I don't know. If that's your prerogative to rip people on social media, so be it. But I said yesterday the game was over. And the game was over and to, my, to me because the Jaguars don't come back from 17-point deficits in the second half. You know why I know that? Because they've only done it once in 113 opportunities in their team history coming into this year. But one thing that I overlooked, and it's the big, biggest part of yesterday, in those previous hundred and some odd games, for the most part, the Jaguars did not have Trevor Lawrence. That's the answer. Everything that we've been programmed to understand, to accept as fact, as Jaguar fans, Jaguar media, through 21 of 26 years of ineptitude, we've had, what, five good years, six good years? They've made the playoffs, what, 96, 97, 98, 99, 05, 07. So they've had seven, seven good years in 26 seasons. The other 19, by and large, have been awful. And we've accepted it as fact that the Jaguars don't come from behind. The Jaguars don't play well on the road. The Jaguars don't beat NFC teams. The Jaguars don't win in Nashville against Tennessee. We've just accepted all these things. And every one of those is changing now. The Jaguars have won in Nashville. The Jaguars have won a couple of road games. The Jaguars finally beat an NFC team for the first time in almost five years. And why is all of this happening? It's Trevor Lawrence. And that's what I overlooked yesterday. So I was happy I was wrong. Thrilled I was wrong. Because Trevor Lawrence is proving us all wrong. We're going to have to reprogram our brains. What we've known as Jacksonville Jaguar football Jaguar ineptitude for the better part of two and a half decades has now completely and totally changed in the span of really the last 14 games. Understanding Trevor was here last year, but we both know what a nightmare that was under Urban Meyer. You know, when we talked about this season, what would make this season a success? We talked about is Trevor a franchise quarterback? Can we find that out? When we had this conversation on Labor Day, going into the year, before week one, what will make 2022 a success? Find out if Trevor's your franchise guy, play meaningful games in December. Well, Jaguar fans, Trevor is your franchise guy, and boy, oh boy, do the Jaguars have a big one. 
now on Thursday night after they played a big one yesterday against Dallas. And that was after they played a big one in Nashville uh, eight days ago. They're just stacking up big game after big game after big game to the point now that even after starting three and seven and even after all those gut-wrenching, heartbreaking losses to the New York Giants and the Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos and the Washington Commanders and the Eagles and go on and on and on, the Colts up in Indy. None of that matters right now. Because if you win your next three games, tall order, understanding, tall order, but if you win your next three games, you're the AFC South champion. And you will be hosting only your second home playoff game in what will be at that point nearly 23 years. January 2000, they played the Titans. January 2018, they played the Bills. If you win your next three games, it would be your third home playoff game in 23 seasons. And why? It's the answer. It's going to be the same all night. Trevor freaking Lawrence. The guy's got 3,500 yards passing. The guy's got 24 touchdowns to seven interceptions. The guy is completing 66% of his passes. And the guy is playing and looking like a top 10 quarterback in this league. And I'm not so sure he's not a top five quarterback in this league. How many quarterbacks right now would you take over, Trevor? I know this was a big topic last week. (laughs) I think it means even more today. Patrick Mahomes, yep, I'd take Patrick Mahomes over Trevor Lawrence. Josh Allen, probably. Joe Burrow, Eh, yeah, maybe. After those three, I think there's real conversation to be had. What I saw yesterday, I'm not taking Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence. (coughs) Excuse me, no way, no how. Herbert played terrible yesterday, awful. He just made one play when he hit Mike Williams, and thankfully he did to give the Chargers the win over the Titans, which really helps out Jacksonville. Thank you to Justin Herbert. But for a large portion of that game, Herbert wasn't any good. He threw two awful interceptions in the end zone. Just awful. I mean, if you're going to take him on name value and what he did coming into the year, okay. But what I'm seeing over the last six weeks, <clears throat> I'm not taking Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence. I'm not taking Lamar Jackson over Trevor Lawrence. I'm not taking Dak Prescott over Trevor Lawrence. You have a stud here in Jacksonville, and he's just getting started. And he is completely changing the narrative about this organization. They can come back from large deficits now. They can win on the road now. They can win in Nashville now. It's glorious, man. It has been fun to watch. 641-1010 is the phone number. We very rarely do this on Hacker After Dark. 
But if you want to get involved on the phone lines, you are more than welcome to do so. <clears throat> At 641-1010. With Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you. Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us. It is a victory Monday. Again, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. He is coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Dave Campo, Monday night coaching with Campo. He's coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And your phone calls are welcome. Again, 641-1010 on a Monday evening here in Jacksonville. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. He drops the throw. Looking, looking. Fires middle of the field, and that ball is picked off. It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins. He's running it back along the right sideline. That is going to be a touchdown. That is going to be a touchdown. The Jags are going to win it on a Rayshon Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? Frank Frangi, Jaguars radio yesterday. I told Frank earlier today, that was a great call, man. That'll be one of those radio calls Jaguar fans remember for quite some time. Um, when you think about regular season, because you have to separate the two, I think. There's postseason plays, right? Like the David Garrard run in Pittsburgh, clearly the Brunel run in Denver. Um, so I think those are obviously bigger because they're playoff, you know, plays. Regular season-wise, it'll be hard to ever top Morton Anderson. Um, you know, the Mike Thomas, Hail Mary... Uh, I, I guess, oh, you know what? The, the Monday night football block against the Steelers. Where does Rayshon Jenkins pick six in overtime to beat Dallas? Rank among best regular season plays in Jaguar history. It's got to be up there, man. It's got to be pretty high. That was amazing yesterday. Absolutely amazing. On the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, 641. 10-10. Hacker, you said Mac Jones and Zach Wilson were better than Trevor Lawrence last year. No, 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 no. No, I did not say that long term. First off, I never said Zach Wilson. I did say Mac Jones was playing better than Trevor Lawrence. Because guess what? He was last year. Mac Jones went to the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence won three games. I don't know how else you can slice that the rookie years. But clearly, Mac Jones has regressed. Trevor Lawrence has flourished. And now that completely changes. And look, what I said yesterday on social media that so many people got so up in arms about. My goodness. Denmark, the venom towards me. I, you know what? I mean, I think we got an airing of the grievances right now. I'm a pretty decent guy, right? I mean, you and I get along swimmingly, don't we? You are a very nice person. Thank you. I mean, I, I my family likes me. I think my coworkers like me, as far as I know. Your son likes you. My son loves me. That That's always promising. My wife has had me around for eight years, so that's great. When I, people see me in, in public, you know, it's, it's all, it's nice, but... Man, the Jaguar fans on Twitter, good heavens. They were saying things about me yesterday that were making me blush, and that's hard to do. I just cannot believe the venom 
that comes out when you say something negative, like it's over at 27 to 10. Guess what? I was wrong, and I'm happy I was wrong. They did have the buck history, though. It's only the third time in franchise history that the Jaguars have come back from a 17-point deficit to win a football game. But good grief, I got the business on social media yesterday. So much so that I had to ask around. I'm like, hey, I'm kind of a nice guy, right? People like to hang out with me. You got you question it sometimes when all you hear is four, seven, and ten-letter words directed your way. Anyway, as long as, you know what? i rather get 200 responses to a tweet of hate than get zero responses, which means I'm irrelevant. I guess that's the way I look at it. I'd much rather be not liked for something I said than people just simply not respond to things I said. That's also uh, how I look at it. 641-1010 is the phone number. <laughs> Matt Hayes. Matt, yeah, Matt, I love you too, buddy. Matt's showing me some love here, Denmark, on Hacker After Dark. I appreciate that. All right, so the Jaguars now control their own destiny. It's in their hands. Three games to go. If they win them all, they're going to be hosting a playoff game. And I got to tell you, I've been watching a lot of Tennessee Titan-related material, podcasts, fan uh, forums and stuff over the last day or two, just kind of getting a vibe of what they're saying in Nashville. They are not optimistic in Nashville. From what I've gathered, they hate the offensive coordinator in Nashville. And I'm using the word hate there. Uh, they're not exactly keen on Vrabel anymore. Some of that luster's worn off. And they're anxious about getting into the offseason to try to figure out their problems. So Tennessee is limping <clears throat> to the finish line, the team and the fans. We're here in Jacksonville. Oh, man. The excitement in this city today, the excitement in that stadium last night, absolutely incredible. But it's going to be a really interesting week. You were on Mount Everest last night, man. The euphoria was unbelievable. But now you got to turn around and play a game in less than 72 hours against a team that is as desperate as you are. Two teams that absolutely need to win on Thursday night going at it with the Jaguars and the Jets. So much so that an injury report has already been released for the game. The Cam Robinson news sucks. There's no doubt about that. Hated to see that. You kind of knew it, though, right, when you saw the injury. But, hey, all you Walker Little fans, okay. You've been telling me how great Walker Little is. I heard it time and time again when he was drafted. I've heard that he was way better than Cam Robinson. Way better than Jawan Taylor. He's going to be the franchise tackle for the next 10 years, and I hope he is. And now we'll get to see. And I hope you guys are right. Because if you're right, it won't be noticeable that Cam Robinson's out and Walker Little's in. If you're not right, it could be a real problem. Let's hope that Walker Little is who Many people here in Jacksonville believe he is, and it'll be a seamless transition. He played pretty well yesterday. 
He came in for relief for Jawan Taylor at right tackle. Then he swung over and came in for relief for Cam Robinson when he left at left tackle. And I thought Walker Little, in watching the game again this afternoon, did a pretty good job. Came in off the bench cold. That's a tough thing to do. Played both right and left tackle and did it pretty well against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Doug Peterson meeting the media today down at TIAA Bank Field. We talk about the short week and the challenge that provides. Again, they're flying to New York in less than 48 hours after that win yesterday. Doug Peterson was asked about the challenges of this short week. Is to, you know, obviously it's a challenge. You know, um, number one thing is to, to get healthy, you know, and, and get as get as many guys um, ready to go as possible, you know, for, for a short week and a Thursday game. But guys are, um, you know, obviously excited from the game yesterday and, and uh, got a lot of energy today. So uh, that's a good start. But, um, you know, it's this is more one of this is one of those this is one of those weeks where it's more mental. You know, as far as understanding the game planning and, and knowing your role and your job, and and um, and then you let the physical you know happen on Thursday night. I will admit that I got so tired of hearing about changing the culture with this football team. We heard that going back to Gus Bradley. I mean, you're talking almost a decade of, well, we need to change the culture in the Jaguar locker room. I don't know what that meant, and to be honest, I. I I have a little bit more of an understanding now, but that just seemed, to me, it seemed to be a narrative, right? That's all you heard. Gus Bradley was going to do that, and then Doug Marone was going to do that, and then Urban Meyer was going to do that, and then Doug Peterson was going to do that. And I just kind of brushed it off because after four head coaches, you kind of think, all right, whatever. That's a memo, right? That's a talking point. It's a fill fill time statement. We're going to change the culture. Great. Whatever that means. Boy, Jaguars look different. They act different. They got a different moxie about them. They got a different confidence about them. They got a different belief about them. You know, Doug Peterson's an X's and O's guy. Doug Peterson's a terrific play caller. And that's a gigantic part of what he was brought here to do. But there is no doubt that this team looks and maybe as important acts different than they have in years. 17 points down in the third quarter, the first 26 years of this franchise, you're not winning that game. Proof is in the record, 1 and 112. Speaks for itself. They've come back twice in four games in the same circumstance this year alone. Peterson talked about it was his job to change the losing culture here in Jacksonville. Our job is to is to change culture. Our job is to, you know, promote a winning culture and a winning atmosphere. And um, you know, it's it's obviously it doesn't it doesn't come overnight. It's not a quick fix, as as you guys know. And you know, I think I think what the players and the team have done this year in four games um, to go two and two, you know, when trailing 17 points is is huge. It 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 shows us and shows them that 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 we're flipping this culture and this narrative. And you can't worry about the past, obviously, but but we can learn from it. And and it's it's really good to see that the guys have 
they've bought into that. They have bought into it. You know, we're going to talk with Coach Campo in the 9 o'clock hour, but he brought this up last night on the fifth quarter, the idea of belief, right? For the longest time, this fan base, this team, you get down like you did yesterday, the belief was gone. And why would we believe? Every time, darn near every time in 26 years, you've gotten down by that much, you haven't won the game. What was there to believe in? After yesterday, you get down 14, 17, I won't be tweeting out it's over anymore. I can tell you that much. A, because they proved me wrong yesterday, and B, because I don't want to get a 1,000 responses telling me how bad I suck for the next 24 hours. But it is a big game on Thursday. All kidding aside, it is a big game. You wanted meaningful games in December? As great as yesterday was, now you got to go beat the Jets. Because if you don't beat the Jets, you're probably not going to the postseason. Understanding Tennessee could potentially lose to either Houston or Dallas. The problem with beating Dallas is this. As great as it was, now they're cooked in the division. They're not winning the division. They play Philadelphia on Saturday, and then they have to turn around and play Tennessee on Thursday on a short week. If they're locked into the five seed, which it appears they will be, is there any danger of them sitting some of their guys for that Tennessee game? They'll probably sit guys in week 18. Maybe they still play their guys in week 17. But if you're locked into the five on a short week, could we see some of their starters sit? Which would obviously give Tennessee a better chance to beat Dallas. So this Jets game is enormous. Josh Allen met the media today. By the way, Josh Allen, I've been hard on him this year. He played well yesterday. He played really well. Josh Allen met the media today as well, talking about this game on Thursday night. It's the, it's, it's the big game because it's the next game. It's, uh, it's the it's what we preach about. You know, the next game is the most important game. You know, we handle our business the week of, and then we come on Sunday, and we do what we need to do, handle that business. Now it's up to the next one. Uh, so Thursday night, MetLife against a good team. It's, uh, by the end of the day, it's about us, and we're going to prepare as such. Uh, like I said, man, it's a good team up there. No knocks to them. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, coming up in less than 10 minutes. To the phone lines we go at 641-1010. Let's go to St. John's County. Let's get Steve in here on Hacker After Dark. Steve, what do you got? Hey, Hacker, how's it going? Steve, I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good. Hey, uh, uh, big mea culpa, crow, eat crow, whatever you want to call it. I've been down on Trevor since day one. I wanted to see what I saw on Sunday. Um, I don't know what to say. I feel like this win was way bigger than the road wins. Um, I don't care if we make the playoffs. I mean, I think that we've turned that corner and, and, you know, I was wrong. You guys were all right. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but, uh, that's all I got to say. I mean, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm a believer. Steve, appreciate the phone call. I think we all are. How can you not be 14 touchdowns and one pick? 
in his last, what, six games? I mean, again, the guy has thrown for 3,500 yards. The guy has thrown for 24 touchdowns and only seven picks. Two of those seven picks were like desperation at the end of the game. He's completing 66% of his passes. He's a stud. That's what he is. He's an absolute beast. And yesterday, when you fumble a ball like that, you want to talk about playing complimentary football. Wasn't that a popular saying at the beginning of the year? Jaguars need to play complimentary football. Well, there was nothing more complimentary than the last 90 seconds yesterday. Lawrence fumbles. The defense goes out there. They get a three and out. Punt the ball. Jamal Agnew, by the way, nobody's talking about this. Nice punt return to the 30-yard line. He he returned the, what, 12, 13 yards to the 30. Decent field position. Offense gets the ball. Christian Kirk on third and 10. Huge catch. Evan Ingram getting out of bounds. Oh, what a play by Evan Ingram to get out of bounds. To save that time. Save that time out. Then Trevor Lawrence rolling left, throwing it down the field to Zay Jones to get into field goal range. Riley Patterson hitting that kick to send it to overtime. That's as complimentary as you get, man. There's no doubt about that. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Let's talk Jags, Cowboys. Let's look ahead to Jags and Jets with my buddy Brian Sexton. He's next, a Monday night on Hacker After Dark. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. What a game yesterday at TIAA Bank Field. The Jacksonville Jaguars, a 40-34 winner in overtime over the Dallas Cowboys, overcoming a 27-10 third-quarter deficit. And amazingly, three games to go, and the Jaguars now control their own destiny for an AFC South championship. We got a lot to get into. Let's do it with my friend Brian Sexton. You see him on Jaguars.com, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Brian, how we doing? <laughs> Rye, I'm not sure we could do much better. I mean, if you would have said to me in October that it would unfold this way, that the Jaguars would be heading to New York the week of Christmas with a chance to stay in the race for the division title. Well, when they were two and six, they not let's just flat out admit it. I wouldn't have believed you. Um, so really good, really good on a Monday morning. You know, I, you and I talked after the Baltimore game, and I was convinced at that point that was Trevor Lawrence's best game as a Jaguar. And then last week in Nashville, what he did to the Titans, winning there for the first time in nine years, I was convinced that was his best game as a Jaguar. But, Brian, what he did yesterday, yesterday was probably his best game as a Jaguar. He has yeah. been insane the last five weeks. Well, he is the generational talent that we all had heard about from his earliest days at Clemson. People at Clemson heard about it from his earliest days in Cartersville. Uh, he's beyond special. What we haven't been is very patient and understanding that it takes time to make that jump from you know, the NFL uh, or into the NFL from Clemson. And he needed some time. And now here he is. And 
I think the, the greatest testament is look at Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram's numbers. I think they've combined for 205 catches, almost 1,600 yards, and 16 touchdowns. I mean, those three guys are all on track for career seasons, and it's no surprise. The quarterback is playing incredible football right now. And, you know, the throw that he made to Zay that set up the um, the, uh, the game-time field goal there where he just rolling to his left, and he's a right-handed quarterback, so that's never an easy throw. And he just sort of tosses it right over the outstretched fingertips of the Cowboys' safety and puts it right on the spot. What an amazing play. I mean, what an incredible play. This guy is good. He is really good, and he's only going to get better. And this football team is entering its golden era. I mean, it is about to be incredible around here with a quarterback like that, a quarterback on par with a uh, with the best in the league. You choose your name, you know, Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, all of them. And this guy belongs in that conversation. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, here with us on 1010XL. Brian, he's checking all the boxes. And another one he checked yesterday, adversity, right? In the past, something would go wrong, and it was like a quicksand effect. And then another would go wrong, and another. And eventually you find a way to lose the football game. He throws the pick yesterday, responds right after that, 59-yard touchdown to Zay Jones. And even more impressive was the fumble with 90 seconds to go. The, the game should be over. The defense gets a three and out, gets the ball back, and then for Trevor to go out there with a minute to go and one timeout and drive them down the field, unbelievably impressive. Well, I think what's really impressive is how many people would have told you, just get Trevor the ball back with a minute left to play and a timeout, and he'll go push this thing to overtime. The people that I was around on Sunday were all confident that he would be able to get it done. And there was a point there after the, the game in London where he threw those two picks where there were plenty of people that were questioning if he could. And it, it's a, a testament to Doug Peterson and the offensive brain trust that he has built around this kid that here we are five, six weeks later now, and everybody's a believer. Um, I just that's why I think it's legitimately uh, possible that this team can win the AFC South because this kid is so well-coached and so prepared for the moments that are in front of him. You know, Josh Allen said something earlier today, and he said, look, I, I wouldn't trade where we were. Yeah, I'd like to win more games. I'm sorry, that was Zay Jones. I'd like to have won more games, but I wouldn't trade it because the experiences that we had with all those close losses and those gut-wrenching moments, well, those have all, all of a sudden gone from being a weakness to a strength. And here we are now with three games to play, and all we have to do is keep playing well, and we're going to be in the playoffs. He said, so all of that adversity that we went through, that Trevor went through, all of that is coming back to bear, and now it's gone from being a liability to being an asset. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. You mentioned Doug Peterson. Brian, obviously the X's and O's, the, the play calling, that's all phenomenal, and that's a huge, huge part of it. But, but we always talk about that word culture, right? The attitude, the belief. He has changed that in this locker room in less than one calendar year. Listening to Rayshon Jenkins yesterday, listening to the players talk about Doug Peterson, they believe now that they're going to win these close games. It's one thing to be a great play caller. It's one thing to be a great X's and O's man. But to be a leader and, and, and to change the belief in a locker room so quickly, again, Doug Peterson was absolutely the right man for this job. 
Well, and the thing that stands out the most is how calm he is. And Trevor Lawrence said it last week, and, and any guy in the locker room that you ask, you'll get the same answer. Doug Peterson is the same guy. Close loss, big loss, close win, big win. It doesn't matter. His approach is consistent. And I, I've told people, look, Jack Del Rio played with Tony Dungy when Tony, uh, Dungy was the defensive coordinator in Minnesota. And, and Jack always wanted to be like Dungy because he was so even-keeled. But Del Rio couldn't do that because he coached like he played. He was an emotional linebacker, and he coached like that. And so I've always looked at the guys, whether it was Gus Bradley or Doug Marone, uh, the guy whose name I won't even mention. Um, you know, are they calm? Are they even keeled? Well, no one's like this guy. I mean, Peterson is so even keeled about his job, and the players crave that. They love the fact that something goes wrong, and he's like, all right, here's how we're going to fix it. If something goes right, it's like, that's a great play. Let's do it again. They can respond and relate to Doug Peterson. And he is not only um, the right guy for this job, he's the right guy for the future of the franchise. Because the way he's going to build, look what he's doing with other people's players. Now he's going to start getting his own guys, the guys that are going to play the system that he wants to play, the way he wants to play football. He's going to plug a few more guys in. This thing is set up for long-term success with Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. There was a photo I saw of the two of them somewhere on the internet last night, and they were standing there on the sidelines just with a huge grin on each of their faces, and you thought, there's the future right there. Those two guys get it, and they're working together, and the Jaguars couldn't be in a better spot. Brian, you think about signature moments in this team's history, single plays, and I mean, take the postseason out, because in the postseason, obviously, the Brunel run, I'm not sure if anything will ever top that, the Garrard run in Pittsburgh. But Rayshon Jenkins yesterday in overtime, boy, didn't that remind you of Rasheen Mathis in Pittsburgh about 15 years ago off of Tommy Maddox? I mean, you got the Mike Thomas, Hail Mary, Morton Anderson, obviously. But I think that Rayshon Jenkins play, probably a top 10 regular season play in Jaguar history. I'll do you one better. I think it's top three, right? So uh, uh, Morton Anderson's miss is the biggest moment in franchise history. Then the next one that came to mind was uh, Clyde Simmons, blocking Norm Johnson's field goal attempt on Monday Night Football against Pittsburgh here in week three of 97. And right after that, I mean, yesterday's game felt just like that game against the Steelers when it was in almost the exact same spot that Hudson picked the ball up on the Steelers' sideline and raced down the sideline to the end zone. Now, they'd already won the game. Hudson didn't need to score. Uh, and But people might remember that Bill Cowher kind of cocked his fist and took a step forward like he wanted to punch Hudson. It was an incredible moment, unbelievable moment. Um, and yesterday, Jenkins gets the ball right about where Hudson picked it up and went down the exact same sideline to the exact same end zone. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it's it's top three. It was an unbelievable moment, no question about it. Final moments with Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. Brian, I asked Leon Searcy this last night on the fifth quarter, and I'm curious your thoughts. I remember being... 13 years old, 12, and then my birthday's in October, so 12 and then 13 in 1996 when the Jaguars were 4-7, and seven, and I believe they played a game in Baltimore where they had no business winning, but Vinny Testaverde inexcusably fumbled the ball. I want to say Lagerman recovered. The Jaguars went on to win that game and went on a huge winning streak, ultimately ending in the AFC Championship game. Now, Brian, I'm not saying that's going to happen right now, but it's kind of got that feel, right? I mean, with the things that are happening – you kind of get that 96 vibe a little bit, do you not? Well, I've been saying this since um, since they beat the Ravens because it was the Ravens that they beat. They were 4-7. and seven. 
And you'll recall, Tessie Brady put the ball on the ground. Um, there was a touchdown pass to uh, Pete Mitchell and a, a two-point conversion to Willie Jackson. And then the, the, uh, the field goal, yeah, I mean, it's exactly like that in terms of a team coming together at this same juncture of the season and needing to play well every week. And you, you didn't know in 96 because they, they beat Baltimore here and then they go to Pittsburgh and they get pounded, right? So you didn't know that they were going to be able to stack wins. And, and, and until now, right, we haven't been sure they were going to be able to stack wins. But they had the last two weeks. And now here we are saying it's a playoff game. It's Thursday night. It's in New York. Can they stack another one? This team hasn't won three consecutive games since December of 2017. There is a very strong comparison to be made to that 1996 season. And it was an amazing run. I still think it's one of the most fun moments in franchise history to watch the coach, the team, the town all come together. And guess what we're seeing? The coach, team, and the town all come together at this juncture of the season. You're right. And, of course, Leon would be because he lived it. You know, and look, the the, the things that are happening, right? What, team of destiny, I know Trevor had some fun with that in the postgame press conference yesterday. I don't know about that, but – to be down 17 to the Raiders, come back and win. To be down 17 yesterday to Dallas, come back and win. I didn't realize this stat, Brian, the fact that they were 1 and 112 in franchise yeah. history when you're down 17 points in a game from 95 to last year, and now they've won two games in that same circumstance here in 2022. The fact that you go to Nashville and win for the first time in almost a decade and then the Baltimore game, I mean, you got to convert fourth downs against that defense. Certainly there's some things that are kind of unexplainable that are happening right now. I'm going to save the word destiny for um, for a deep playoff run. You know, get me to the AFC Championship game. Okay, let's talk destiny. Until then, I'm going to go with the Cardiac Cats theme because this is a team that, that, that couldn't win the close games early on, right? They, they seemed incapable of winning those close games. And yesterday, I, I was feeling it again as, as Dak Prescott is driving his team down the field with less than six minutes to play to take the lead again. I'm thinking, all right, I guess they're not going to win a close game. Um, and yet they did. They found a way to win that close game. So I'll go with Cardiac Cats. It seems to fit this group. Um, you know, they're on live support. And then all of a sudden, man, give me the paddles, Doug. You know, ba-bam. And I've got them back up. i got that heart going again. And here they go. And I just can't wait to watch the final three weeks of the season. What a great story we've told if it ended today. But think about the chapters that are in front of us in New York, Houston, and against the Titans. Imagine Sunday night football here, um, or Saturday night, for that matter, because the last game isn't officially scheduled yet. But that last weekend of the regular season, a primetime game for the division title with the Titans in town? Oh, my goodness. It's better than we could have imagined. There's no doubt about that. Brian Sexton, final question for you. All right, they were on Mount Everest yesterday. They're, the euphoria in that stadium, the euphoria all over the city today, it's unbelievable. Yet they're on a plane in 48 hours. Yeah. They're playing a game in basically 72 hours. I mean, it, it gets a Jets team that, by the way, has to win as well. It's essentially a playoff game. Like you said, Thursday night on the road, it's going to be cold. I mean, it's a quick turnaround, Brian. How do you think this thing's going to play out? The Jets are not a great offensive team, especially with the instability that they've got at quarterback. But we all know their defense. They were fourth in the league in sacks heading into yesterday's game, not far from where the Cowboys were at number two. Jaguars did an 
excellent job at keeping Trevor clean. They only gave up one sack to the great Micah Parsons. And I wrote last week in my quick thoughts that for the Jaguars offensive line, these two games would define their season. Well, at this moment, I don't know where they're at. And we might not know until kickoff. Um, it's, it's a good matchup for the Jaguars. It just is because their offense isn't going to get way out ahead and put the Jaguars in a big hole. But the Jaguars could get out ahead and put them in a hole and their offense might not be able to come from behind. So I really like their chances if they've got their offensive tackles on Thursday night. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, know you're incredibly busy today, man. Thank you for the time. Should be a good one on Thursday. We'll talk again soon, and happy holidays. Brian, yeah, Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners if I don't get a chance to talk to you. It's fun. Hopefully we're talking next week about a big Texans game. There you go, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Well, we know they'll have Jawan Taylor at the right tackle spot. Walker Little is going to be your left tackle now. Cam Robinson, uh, meniscus injury, probably not going to play again this year. I mean, it would be hard to believe that he would come back from that so late in the season. I don't think they officially announced that, but, I mean, we've watched enough football to know a meniscus injury. You're probably not going to come back in a couple of weeks. So it's Walker Little's job at left tackle uh, from here on out, so it appears. Uh, We'll have Dave Campo, Monday Night Coaching with Campo, here on Hacker After Dark. That is coming up at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour. There is a Monday Night Football matchup what a barn burner this is between the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Rams now when the schedule came out uh back in May and June you would have thought this game would have been huge no it's the four and nine Rams at the five and eight Green Bay Packers Green Bay up three nothing in this game 11 minutes to go in the second quarter we will keep you updated we will get into the world of college Football coming up. Andrew Spivey of GatorCountry.com. What is going on in Gainesville? Cristobal beginning to beat Napier again this uh, weekend. Mark Fletcher, the big running back from American Heritage, commits to Miami over Florida. Florida's also not getting in the portal. Miami and Florida State are getting guys out of the portal left and right. Florida's gotten one guy. We'll talk about all that with Andrew Spivey of GatorCountry.com in less than 15 minutes. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. Jacksonville, we're glad you're with us. It's halftime on Hacker After Dark. One hour down, one hour to go here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Yes, it is with Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you as we move into the 9 o'clock hour. As always, Jacksonville, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com, search 1010XL. You'll see Hacker After Dark there till 10 o'clock. Also on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter. You'll see the show there, streaming until 10 o'clock tonight. Rams have added a field goal, 3-3. Rams Packers, about nine minutes to go in the first half. Boy, what a weekend in the National Football League. What a weekend from the Indianapolis Colts blowing the biggest lead in the history of the sport, up 33-0 at the half. Minnesota comes roaring back to win the game in what was a fantastic, fantastic football game, particularly at the end. 
the Chargers beating the Titans yesterday on a last-second field goal, which was glorious for the Jaguars, who beat Dallas, obviously, on a walk-off pick six by Rayshon Jenkins. And I've been tough on Rayshon Jenkins. That guy played his butt off yesterday. He, um, You want to talk about best individual game performances by a defensive player in Jaguar history? The dude had 18 tackles, two picks, including the pick six in overtime that won it. That's got to be in the conversation for one of the best defensive games that a Jacksonville Jaguar player has ever played. It was absolutely incredible. But the big story yesterday, too, was whatever that was in Las Vegas. Um, Maybe the most bizarre play in the history of the sport Jim Marshall running the wrong way might be more bizarre. But for the New England Patriots to be in a tie game, they run a draw play. Ramondre Stevenson gains about 20 yards, decides for some reason to lateral the ball to Jacoby Myers when that was not part of the plan. And then Jacoby Myers throws it to Mac Jones. What was Mac Jones going to do with that football? Explain to me what Mac Jones was going to do with that football. Instead, Chandler Jones basically intercepts it, runs 50 yards for the game-winning touchdown. Astounding. The ending of that game was astounding. Everything the Jaguars wanted to happen yesterday happened. The Patriots lost. The Jets lost, which at least helps wildcard positioning. The Chargers won, but at least you have a tiebreaker over them, and they knocked off the Titans in the process. And, oh, by the way, the Jaguars won as well. It's as if the football gods have enough fun with the Jaguars. Said, all right, you've suffered long enough. We're going to, you know, part the cloudy skies, let the sun rain down on Jacksonville, at least for one Sunday. It was awesome. The Jaguars won, and everything you needed to have happen, happened. It was absolutely fantastic to watch. Jaguars-Jets on Thursday. Programming note, by the way. I'll be on for the uh, Jaguar, the uh, pregame portion, before we hand it off to the network. Hayes Carline and myself Thursday, 3 o'clock. And then a special edition of the fifth quarter as we're in for the drill. Hicken and Prosser are off Friday morning, so you'll have Dave Campo, Leon Searcy, and myself, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Friday morning, the morning after the Jaguars and the Jets. So, good week here, fun week, excited about it, and glad that you'll be a part of it. Coming up next, let's go to Gainesville. Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. What in the heck was that in Las Vegas on Saturday? And why is Florida not getting anybody out of the portal? Why is Miami beating Florida to every recruit? It's not good right now. Florida's limping to the finish line. They got a good class as long as it stays intact. Will it stay intact by Wednesday? Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com, next on Hacker After Dark. Now. Hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. 
Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. All right, the Gator season officially in the books. I don't know what that was in Las Vegas on Saturday. Uh, I guess it was a football game. It really didn't look like it as Oregon State beats Florida 30-3. to And uh, not a lot of momentum for Florida coming into uh, the first signing day of the year here in December. Andrew Spivey, our guy in Gainesville, GatorCountry.com. Always kind enough to join us. Andrew, I'm not going to waste a lot of your time about the Las Vegas Bowl, brother, because that was uh, that was not good on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of shows just why bowl games are so irrelevant these days. I mean, that was not a Florida football team that had played all year that was out there. I mean, you were playing with your backups in a lot of positions, third strings in some positions. Uh, it was embarrassing. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, no question about that. It certainly did not look good. And, look, you could argue they might have been better off to not accept the bowl invitation. And, they look, it cost them a weekend recruiting. It was the last visiting weekend of the year leading into Wednesday. All right, there's, there's some panic about – well, maybe panic's not the right word, but I think there is some uneasiness, Andrew, in Gator Nation about Billy Napier – People are not happy the way the season ended. Three consecutive losses, six and seven in year number one. Is the criticism he's getting, is that fair? Um, No, it's not. Um, you know, I, I mean, did people really believe that the same guys who, you know, Dan Ballin had last year that were terrible, uh, going to get that much better under a new coaching staff? I mean, if you believe that, if you thought the answer was yes, then I guess there is a little reason to be disappointed. But uh, for the majority of us who, you know, follow football and, and know football, I mean, we expected it to be bad. Did we expect it maybe to be as bad as it was? <laughs> don't know. Um, don't think so. Uh, we all knew there was going to be a ton ton of ups and the tons of downs in this year, and that's exactly what we got. Um, I think we've seen some improvement in some places, particularly the offensive line, and then I think we've seen some areas on the defense, so we were like, oh, my stars, how is this so bad? Um, so I, I, I think in, in all, it is about what we all expected. Obviously, we did not expect six and seven. Um, I think we all thought, you know, they would be seven and six, eight and five, uh, not lose to Vanderbilt. Uh, but it, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I think next year is the year to really judge Billy Napier. Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. All right, Andrew, you look ahead to this next signing period, the next big thing with Billy Napier on Wednesday. And look, coming off a loss like that, I agree with you, year number two is going to be a big judging season, I guess, if you will, uh, for lack of better terminology, for Gator fans towards Napier and the staff. But it really begins right now with what he does in the portal and what he does on Wednesday. And Gator fans don't like what they're seeing. Miami has beaten Florida for the last two big recruits, including Mark Fletcher, the running back from uh, American Heritage just committed to Miami over the weekend. Things are not exactly going well going into Wednesday. Yeah, I mean they're they're not. I mean, you know, it, it is the the finish is not what Billy Napier hoped for. Um, the the finish is not what Gator Nation hoped for. Uh, it, it just it, it just isn't. 
Um, this is where, you know, there is no excuses. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, you lost it, um, whether it's NIL related or, or whether it's just you simply lost it. Um, the, the momentum is not there for Florida right now. Uh, you know, you lose Fletcher, you lose Sampson, uh, two guys you had on campus uh, the weekend before last, uh, and, and two guys that you came out of that weekend thinking you felt pretty good on, um, and you lose those guys. Um, you, you thought you had some momentum uh, with several guys after Jaden Rashada flipped to you, and you haven't really landed any of those guys. And uh, the, the other big one that hurts is John Walker sticking with UCF as, as he practiced with UCF on Sunday. Uh, that one hurts. I I mean, that one was a one you thought you could flip and, and you just didn't flip. And um, so you have several guys that, you know, in general on signing day, you're not going to land. Uh, do I think it takes away from how good this class is? No. Do I think it takes away from the momentum in this class? Absolutely. It just it doesn't look good to lose this many guys down the stretch, especially to Miami, a team that didn't go to a bowl game. Um, now, the, the thing that I think we all have to remember is NIL plays such a major game, and we all know how involved Miami is with their NIL game, and it's they're outbidding people. And that's kind of the point, Andrew, and that's my next, my next question to you. Cristobal is more than likely not going to go anywhere for a while. I mean, Florida's going to have to figure out how to beat Miami for some of these guys. And with NIL, look, you're, what you're doing right now is not working. It worked with Rashada but it has not worked seemingly with anybody else when it's been a Florida and Miami battle. So what can be done about this moving forward? You got to step it up. <laughs> uh, you you got to step it up on your end uh, of the NIL game. I mean, obviously, you know, Cristobal is not going anywhere. Um, you know, in a, a lot of kids nowadays are looking more at NIL more so than results on the field. So, you know, if Miami continues to, to be poor on the field and their NIL is good, it's probably still going to lead to a lot of prospects coming to them. Um, you know, does it turn into a disaster like it does Texas A&M where you have a locker room full of problems? Uh, that I don't know. But I think that you have got to step up your game in the NIL game in order to compete with Miami for those certain guys. Or you just have to be so good that kids are not realizing uh, are not paying as much attention to the NIL game as they are to wins and losses. And right now, Florida's on the losing end of both. They don't have a great record, and their NIL isn't where Miami's is right now for certain kids. Now, let me let me also say this in that Miami is overpaying for a lot of, lot of guys in the NIL game, and I think that Florida is very smart by not getting – you know, involved in that whole bidding war uh, per se, because then you have that locker room problem. But at the same time, you've got to land some of these top guys. Final moments here with Andrew Spivey of GatorCountry.com. All right, so the Wednesday signing class, a lot of the hay is already in the barn. Do you believe at the 11th hour here, is Florida in danger of losing anybody that is currently committed to them? I think the only one right now to look at is Andy Jean, who visited Florida State um, over the weekend. Um, uh, There's a lot of uncertainty around him from from both Florida and Florida State. Ultimately, I think Florida holds on to him, um, but that's the main one to watch uh, as we get into Wednesday 
Um, you know, Gene's been a long time commit, committed to Florida back there in Friday Night Lights and is a big time prospect that Florida needs at a position, a need at that receiver position. Uh, he was on an unofficial visit to Florida uh, the weekend before last, but went to Florida State, and that's his second trip to Florida State in the last month. Uh, so that's definitely one to be concerned about. Right now, I have him penciled in as sticking with the Gators, uh, but he's somebody that I'm going to be watching over the next 24 to 48 hours. Same question. Can Florida flip anybody that's committed anywhere else in the next day or two? Uh, right now, I don't think so. I, I think that you're going to you're going to look at this recruiting class and what they have is what they get uh, kind of thing. Um, I, you know, I think Florida could land uh, offensive lineman Caden Jones in January 7th whenever he announces at the All-American Bowl out in Texas. Uh, but I don't see anybody, uh, you know, announcing to Florida uh, on Wednesday other than what they have right now. And that's a little disappointing, but uh, at the same time, that's why you do work the whole entire uh, class instead of just on Wednesday, and this is overall a pretty good class. All right, Andrew, and then as far as the transfer portal, here's what Gator fans are asking me. I'm no longer really in that world, but I know you certainly are, and you're very good at it, so you're the guy to ask. Why are Miami and Florida State getting all these transfer portal commitments so far and Florida's only gotten one? Yeah, I mean, Florida's being a little bit picky, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, a, a lot of it is NIL-based, but also, you know, Florida not being able to host kids last week and, and this past weekend really hurt them as well. Um, I do expect Florida to be uh, very involved in the portal uh, going forward. I think there are several guys who are still playing in bowl games that are going to hit the portal uh, that we've heard, and, and those guys have relationships with Billy Napier. So Billy Napier should have a, an in with those guys. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, if Florida can just land a quarterback in the portal, I think that's the biggest question mark that they, they have to answer. We all know we can't watch what we watched on Saturday for a whole year next year of Jack Miller playing quarterback and starting at quarterback for Florida. They've got to go out and land a portal quarterback, and, and that's got to be top priority. After that, got to land some defensive linemen. They landed Caleb Banks, the Louisville guy already, uh, the Louisville transfer already. So they need to go out and land some more guys, and, and it needs to happen. Um, over these next couple of weeks before uh, spring classes start in January. Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. Final question. You mentioned quarterback. If uh, you had to put all your matchsticks in the middle of the table, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the portal. Uh, if Florida had their, their top choice at this point, who would it be? Uh, Devin Leary um, is the guy, definitely. Um, and, if, and if Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt gets in, he's a guy that I would watch. Uh, very, very closely, a guy from Boca Raton, um, a guy who Billy recruited a little bit at Louisiana as well. And, you know, there's a lot of rumors going around that he's going to the, enter the portal after the Cotton Bowl. If he does, I really, really like Florida's uh, chances to, to possibly get him, being that Florida has a relationship with him, uh, dating back to uh, Napier's time at uh, Lafayette, and it's closer to home. So one of those two guys I think will be your quarterback uh, come next year. Um, that all depends on if Pratt actually does enter the portal. And, and, you know, who all bids for Pratt besides Florida in that portal? Andrew, give your website a little bit of love, man. You guys do recruiting so well over at Gator Country. Dot com. What can people anticipate on Wednesday? Yeah, we'll have full uh, coverage of all the signees once they come in, uh, the letter of intent to come in, and, 
you know, we'll be following some of these big uh, commitment and uh, decision dates uh, as they come in and see, you know, if Florida can surprise some people at, over at GatorCountry.com, and then we'll be ready to get out to Orlando for the Under Armour game if Florida has 12 guys completing in the Under Armour game uh, first of the year. Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. He's certainly one of our guys over in Gainesville. Andrew, have a very happy holidays, man. Always appreciate you. We'll talk again in 2023. Absolutely, Ryan. Happy holidays to you and all the listeners. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars, my goodness, what a win yesterday over the Dallas Cowboys. 40 to 34 in overtime. The Jaguars with that win combined with the Tennessee Titan loss yesterday in Los Angeles, unbelievably at six and eight, control their own destiny. If they win their next three games, they will be AFC South champions. And who would have ever thought that about a month ago? With that, it's Monday night on Hacker After Dark. That means it's Monday night coaching with Campo. My friend Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, but now a proud resident of Northeast Florida, and he's always here with us on 1010XL. Coach, how we doing? Doing great, Hack. What a what a, a great finish yesterday, and uh, watching it again, uh, it just I, I, it brought a lot of excitement to me because, as you know, I'm a big-time Jaguars fan, even though it was against the Dallas Cowboys. Coach, the emotions of yesterday, what a roller coaster. So many ups, so many downs. We got an absolute ton to get into, but let's not bury the lead. What a performance yesterday by Jaguar quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Well, you know, he's been doing this for five ball games now. You know, he's he's got uh, something special to him, and that's why, you know, he won as many games as he did in high school and college, and it's, he just needed to get – you know, used to the NFL game and uh, the Jaguar fans can be real fortunate. As I said last week on our same show here on your same show, uh, they're watching a, 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 a quarterback for the future, you know, evolving right in front of them. You know, let's kind of take it piece by piece with Trevor. Let's start with when things go bad, things have continued to go bad. Trevor, at least early in the year, did not respond well to when things went negatively on the field. And yesterday, there were two prime instances. The interception that made it 27-10 to 10 when Dallas kicked the field goal. And then, my goodness, that fumble with a minute 38 to go that you thought cost you the game. And in both instances, Coach, he came right back out, drove the team down, got points. I mean, what growth that shows to me about the maturity of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you know, he's he's really uh, got that poise. He's not – he doesn't panic, uh, you know, and I think that's kind of a, a, a thing that Doug Peterson has stressed with the football team and especially with him that, you know, you play with urgency. And urgency means, you know, every play is important and you have to keep your poise and, and you know, don't panic. Just keep picking at them. And, and that's what he's done. Uh, I have to give him credit because, you know, on the sideline, he wanted that ball back in in the at the end of the game in the worst way. And, you know, he he came through with with especially the last throw to get him in the field goal range, escaping and making that throw to Zay Jones. Uh, you know, that's who he is. 
Uh, that's why he's going to be a, a quality quarterback for a long time in this league, in my opinion. It's Monday Night Coaching with Campo. Dave Campo here with us on Hacker After Dark. Look, I got absolutely annihilated on social media. I always love all the responses that come in, you know, four hours after the uh, the tweet is sent out. But when it's 27 to 10, Coach, I tweeted out, unless something changes, this game is over. And I didn't even know the stat when I tweeted it out. The Jaguars were 1 and 112 from 1995 to 2021 when they trailed by 17 points or more in a game. 113 times it had happened in 26 years. They had lost 112 of those. They're now 2-2 two and two this year in the same circumstance. What does it say about Trevor, about Doug Peterson, and really that entire team that twice now, more than double the time in franchise history, just in 2022, they've come back from 17-point deficits? Well, I thought you put it very well uh, last last night on the fifth quarter when you said that now they have a quarterback that they can come back with. And I think, you know, that's probably, uh, if you look around the league over history, the guys that can do that are the guys that stick for a long time and are very, very good. That's where it starts. But it also starts with the resiliency and the stick-to-itiveness of the team and the coaching staff. Uh, you know, we've seen an awful lot of adjustments during ball games here recently, uh, you know, in second halves by the defensive coaches and and the offense, uh, you know, just keeps on, you know, grinding. And, you know, that in itself is why this football team going forward, I believe, going into next year is going to, you know, it's going to really pay dividends for sure. You know, Coach, we always think about the X's and O's, right? The play calling and everything that comes with that with Doug Peterson. But he's got this team believing. He has changed their attitude. Rayshon Jenkins even kind of talked about that in the postgame locker room yesterday. Yeah, the play calling's unbelievably important. And yeah, the game planning and everything that a coach does, that you think a coach does. But, Coach, he has come in, Doug Peterson has, and changed the attitude, the mindset and he's done it very, very quickly. No question. Uh, this guy's the right guy for this team, especially right now, and this quarterback. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, he brings that attitude of, uh, you know, uh, just play one at a time, one game at a time, you know, stick to the plan, you know, stay focused, play with urgency, all those kind of things. Uh, it, it comes down to, though, the players on the field and they have to buy in. They have to, you know, believe. And I think, you know, the resiliency of this football team has proven to everyone that the game's not over. I, I heard uh, Rayshon Jenkins talk at the end of the game, talking about after the game, talking about uh, the game's not over until it's zero, zero, zero on the scoreboard. The first, what you do in the first period doesn't necessarily matter. But what you do when that score is zero zero, uh, the the uh, clock is zero zero zero, is what's important. And I think this team believes that. They believe in the quarterback. They believe in the the coordinators, and they believe in Doug Peterson. Dave Campo here with us on Hacker After Dark, Coach. You mentioned Rayshon Jenkins. He might have had one of the best single game performances of any Jaguar defensive player in team history. It's in the conversation. I mean, eighteen tackles. 
two interceptions, including a game-winning pick six in overtime. Why was Rayshon Jenkins so good yesterday? Well, you know, he always plays hard, Hack. And, and you know, he, he – you know, he makes tackles uh, pretty darn good. He'll miss a few because he, you know, he's flying up there and, and, and a little bit out of control. But he is, he'll hit you. And, and you know, he can tackle. There, there's no question about that. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, been in the right spot in, in a few times this year. And obviously, you know, the one that, that you really don't even think about is he came off the edge uh, in, in the, uh, set up after the inter- after the fumble he uh, he came off the edge and tackled Pollard for a for a 3 yard loss or a, i think it wasn't a 3 yard loss that was the one that was they were uh no gain and they ended up throwing the ball on third down there that gave us the ball back so not only did he have a great game uh, intercepting two balls you know he makes he made plays yesterday and that's that's kind of who he is and, Coach, while we're on the defense, I mean, second week in a row, right, forcing turnovers. Um, they're not the greatest defense. No one's ever going to confuse them for the, the steel curtain or the purple people eaters or anybody like that. But what they've done is they've made adjustments when things don't go well early. And in the second half, they are forcing turnovers. And they did it again yesterday. And they got to the quarterback. Three quarterback sacks. Two turnovers. Again, not a great defense, Coach, but I guess I'd call them an opportunistic defense. Well, I can tell you this, and this has happened. You know, they they do come out in the second half, and unfortunately, you know, against the good teams, you really don't want to do what they did yesterday. You know, get behind that far. So, you know, that's an issue. But in the second half yesterday, they had two big star- stops. They had two forced field goals. They had uh, interceptions, and and you know, of course, the interception to to win the game, you know, those are things that that you have to do to get back into a ball game, and that's what they did. Uh, even the last drive before the half that the, that uh, the Cowboys had, you know, they had a stop. So you know, it started there, and then they played pretty darn good, with the exception of the one long drive in the second half, and that's what allowed us to get back in it. It's not only the quarterback and the and the offense making plays. The defense has to turn the ball back over to the offense, and they did that yesterday for sure. A couple of more for Dave Campo, Monday night coaching with Campo here on Hacker After Dark. Coach, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram yesterday combined for 20 catches. 20 catches for over 200 yards. And, of course, Zay Jones had those three touchdowns. What can you say about their performance? Well, I, th- I think everybody kind of kicked, uh, you know, Trent Balky's butt uh, a little bit about, you know, paying a lot of money for guys that were just guys. Well, these guys are not just guys. I mean, I think they've proven it over the length of the te- uh, field, uh, the, the season, that they can make plays when given the opportunity. And there may not be a, a, a true, true, true number one. Hopefully, Ridley's that guy when he comes uh, with us next year. But the one thing about them, they are consistent players. And if you give them the quarterback is making them better now because he's putting the ball where they can make plays. The one catch that Kirk made, uh, I'm telling you, he caught the back of the football 
uh, on that one drive uh, to to get us uh, into field goal range. Uh, it, uh, unbelievable catch, and that's what this guy these guys have done. And you know, I think they're they're uh, they've proven their worth. There's no question about that. You know, you talk about complimentary football, right? And we've talked about that the entire. Uh, time this season where the Jaguars didn't always play complimentary football. One week the offense would be good, but the defense would be bad or vice versa. Well, you look at everything that had to go right yesterday in the last minute 38. The defense had to get a three and out. They got it. The offense had to drive down the field. They did. And the special teams and Riley Patterson had to convert a 48-yard kick. And they did. I mean, you want to talk about complimentary football, Coach. There is no greater complimentary football than what the Jaguars did in the final 90 seconds of regulation. Well, let me let me just – let's just look at that last drive. I've already mentioned Kirk. It was third down and 10. He makes a great catch. Then they – Hasty gets out of bounds on a play where they were uh, pressured, uh, where uh, – uh, Lawrence was pressured and he got the ball off the hasty. He got out of bounds. 17 seconds. Uh, Ingram, what an unbelievable play to get himself out of bounds on that next throw and give him a chance to keep that time out. And then on the final play of that, to get him into field goal range, great escape by Trevor and a perfect throw back to Zay Jones. You know, those are the kind of things that are happening with this football team, and that bodes well for the future. Final moments here with Dave Campo, Monday Night Coaching with Campo, here on Hacker After Dark. All right, the city has been in a state of euphoria all last night, all day today here on a victory Monday. Coach, the team is on an airplane in less than 48 hours flying to New York for a game on Thursday night. That is absolutely gigantic. Um, The Jaguars control their own destiny, but they got to go to New York and win, and the Jets are in desperation mode. They absolutely need to win. It's on the road. It's in December in New Jersey. It's going to be cold. I mean, how on earth, if you're Doug Peterson and this staff, can you get your team off of Mount Everest, which is where they were probably emotionally, you know, 12 hours ago, and refocus on what is a gigantic game coming up in less than 72 hours. Well, I can I can assure you that that Doug at, at right after that ball game congratulated everybody, got real excited. You saw him on the TV if you were watching the TV at the end of the ball game when it was over, he was jumping down like a like a 20-year-old. Uh, but when he got in that locker room, I promise you he he told those guys congratulating them. Great job, but we cannot dwell on this football game. Normally we have a 24 hour rule right now, guys enjoy yourself, but it's a 12 hour rule in this one and make darn sure you understand what's important. And part of that is what you do tonight after this ball game, taking care of yourself, making sure what you put into your body, because it's a quick turnaround. There's no doubt that, that he's, you know, told them that, and and it just depends on how how good this team is, and I believe they believe in everything he says. So I, I feel they'll be in the right frame of mind. Now the Jets have the advantage. The advantage is 
that they are also playing for, you know, a gigantic situation and they don't, they can sleep in their own beds, whereas we have to travel. So, you know, they get a little extra time and that has to, our guys have to understand that, that we have to be on point in this football game. I played a lot of Thursday games, you know, with Thanksgiving and, you know, back in the day. And there's no question that it's a different uh, situation. It's on national TV. We've got to be ready. Coach, final question for you. I asked you this on the fifth quarter, and I loved your answer, so I want you to share it here on Hacker After Dark, too. The Jaguars, call it a team of destiny, call it whatever verbiage you want to use. Some odd things are happening, right? I mean, you're down 17 to the Raiders. You come back and win. Baltimore, you're down seven against that defense, having to go 75 yards in the final minute, converting fourth downs. You do that, and then you go for two in the win, and you get it. Then you go to Nashville, and for the first time in nine years, you you win in Nashville. And then to do what you did yesterday, to come back from 17 down against the Dallas Cowboys and, and to win that game. I, I mean, is there a thought in a locker room, an NFL locker room, when things like this are happening that, you know, maybe – <laughs> won't call it higher forces or anything, but maybe uh, there is something to this team of destiny. I mean, I'm sure the Jaguars at this point believe that in any situation, they're going to be able to find a way to get the job done. You know, you know how many times in this conversation we've, and yet last night, we've all, we've all said belief and that's confidence and that's belief in what you're doing are the right things to give you an opportunity to win. And that's how you practice running hard and practice to the football. You know, you do what you practice and the mentality of how you practice is extremely important. To me, it's belief in everything that's going on. Uh, and, and you know, you know me, Hack. I, this season for me, I've been through it. Back with the Cowboys, we were three and seven the second year after going one and 15. We won four in a row. We ended up losing the last two because Aikman got hurt. But as that gave us the belief and the confidence that we could be a football team that could go all the way in the future. So to me, this season, I want them to go to the playoffs. I want them to, to experience that. But if they, and that's great if they do, if they don't, this season is about next season in my mind, and I think this football team is building what it takes to go forward. You know, we won a Super Bowl two years after going seven and nine the second year, and I believe this team has is, is got a chance to head in that direction. They're playing meaningful games in the month of December, and they know without a shadow of a doubt they have their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. It has been a great run, and they got a big one on Thursday night. Short week for us, Coach. I will see you on Friday morning, a special fifth quarter, Friday morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. as we're in for Hickett and Prosser. Coach, looking forward to reviewing the game with you, and I will see you on Friday morning, my friend. Absolutely, and and uh, that's getting up awful early for me, but especially after this win and what we're going to do Thursday night, it's going to be easy. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. I'll talk to you Friday, bud. All right. Talk to you, Hack. Have a great one. See ya. And as always, a big thank you to my friend Dave Campo, a little Monday night coaching with Campo here on Hacker After Dark after what was just an enormous 
win over the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. And my goodness, what a quick turnaround it is. A reminder, we'll have a special edition of the fifth quarter sitting in for the drill. Myself, Leon Searcy, and Dave Campo Friday morning here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM from 7 o'clock until 10 o'clock. Campo, Searcy, and Hacker in for Hicken and Prosser on Friday reviewing the Jaguars and the Jets. Well, that'll just about do it for what has been an awesome edition, a very, very fun edition of Hacker After Dark here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Again, thank you to Dave Campo for joining us as he does every Monday night. Thank you to my friend Andrew Spivey, GatorCountry.com. As the December signing day is on Wednesday, how will it look for the Florida Gators? Well, I think a lot of the hay is in the barn. I think a lot of guys that they have are going to stay committed. I don't know how much action there will actually be on Wednesday, but certainly thank you to Andrew Spivey of Gator Country for telling us how Billy Napier is looking here at year number two on the recruiting trail down there at the University of Florida. And Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, joined us in hour number one. Always appreciate the conversation with my friend Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. We will be back tomorrow night on a Tuesday. Are you kidding me? Where else would you rather be on a Tuesday night from 10 to midnight than right here on Hacker After Dark with yours truly in Dylan Denmark is our late night show. We get after it on Tuesday nights. And we hope you join us. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green in Jacksonville. Thank you for spending part of your Monday night with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Monday evening. And we will do it all over again on a Tuesday beginning at 10 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.